Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we just uh, are so grateful uh, that you would open up your word uh, to us and uh, teach us about yourself. And um, we just uh, we just pray, Father, that that now you would come and be our teacher, uh, that we would sit at your feet and your voice would be the one that we hear. We ask, Lord, for your mercy and your grace, for your Holy Spirit to um, uh, to. Uh, just endow every word that is said to inhabit uh, the praises of your people. We pray, Father, now that you would uh, just be present with us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Colossians. Uh, I'm going to have it up on the screen, but it might be helpful if you want to have it in your Bible. Uh, Bible open, so there's Bibles over here. Um, Colossians uh, is one of the those little little letters of Paul. I always think General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So uh, it's right right after Philippians. So um, just to uh, uh, recap a little bit of the first couple of chapters, um, uh, Paul has been uh, talking about uh, the preeminence of, of Christ. He, I guess, to, even before that, let's say he's addressing false teaching in the Colossian church. He didn't found the Colossian church. Epaphras. Uh, came to Christ under uh, Paul's ministry in Ephesus and went back to his hometown of Colossae and began talking about his newfound faith in Christ. And uh, Epaphras has now uh, come to Paul because there was at, under Epaphras' ministry there were several house churches that sprouted up and lots of people were coming to Christ. But then, uh, as as you can imagine, as, as still happens today, there is there was um, false teaching that was creeping in uh, to the church. Uh, from within and from without, people bringing in things that they had heard before and sort of incorporating a mix of, of um, what they knew before uh, they came to Christ and also uh, perhaps people coming in and adding to. But that's, that's really the... That's really the um, it's so hard for our hearts uh, then and now to, to grasp onto the gospel. Uh, Jesus, uh, is, Jesus died for our sins and that is uh, fine so far as it goes, but... But let's not forget that we must, and then you can fill in the blank. That that is really it seems what Paul was addressing, what they were dealing with, and so um, it's interesting that uh, sort of in opposite uh, opposite the way he addresses the Galatians, he he really takes a, a positive approach uh, here uh, as he is going into uh, as as he is addressing this false teaching. He doesn't lambast the Colossians for. Uh, what they have believed, but he is uh, he is really uh, going back continually to the gospel. And so, what he does uh, is he lifts up the person of Jesus Christ, and he uh, talks in some of the mo- the highest Christological language that we have in the New Testament. Uh, he holds up uh, Jesus as preeminent. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the uh, beginning of all things. He is. Uh, I'm thinking particularly in the first chapter. Uh, begin with verse 15. Is the image of the invisible God. Um, that by Him all things are created, and through Him and for Him. So, so Paul lifts up Christ to the highest level, uh, as if to say, what what could possibly be added uh, to this uh, Jesus, this God with skin on? What could possibly uh, be added? Your own works. Uh, your own things that you um, that you hold held dear when you were a pagan believer or you were a, Jew, a Jewish uh, keeper of the law, 
uh, what could possibly uh, could you add to Jesus Christ, who is himself God? And so, uh, and yet we also see that as he holds up Christ so preeminently, he can continually uh, returns to the gospel. So we have the preeminence of Christ and the gospel of Christ uh, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, here's the, let's address the false teaching and go back to the gospel. Let's address the false teaching and go back to the gospel. Let's talk about how you should live uh, and, and go back uh, to the gospel. Over and over again, he references what Christ uh, has done for us. And so he holds up uh, Christ and he holds up what Christ has done uh, for us. And then he talks about the reality of life in Christ. That is, uh, the uh, how, if God has done everything that we need sufficient for salvation, then what does that look like in our life? Uh, what are the implications of that uh, in our life? And we're going to talk a lot about that because, um, because there are a lot of imperative statements in chapter 3 as we are moving in now uh, to chapter 3. Um, so those, that's really where he has been going. But now, now Colossians 3, the, the Christian life... Um, Sort of the road ahead. What, what as you as you're walking through uh, your life, uh, you who have been justified by grace, who have been saved in Christ, what does uh, that uh, look like? And so, uh, what we want to do is we want to just go through um, and read this. These are the sort of four points that you might want to just pay attention to. Uh, verses one through four: the truth of the gospel. Uh, then what is put away by the gospel, verse 5 through 11, and then verses 11 through 17. 11 is sort of a transition statement. It's really important. We'll talk about that. Uh, what is put on uh, by the gospel. So the gospel itself, uh, what is put away by the gospel, and then what is put on by the gospel. But last week, if, you, if you're with us, we didn't really have a chance to hit this last part, and there is a, a, there's a tension, potential tension. So I want to just uh, highlight uh, the last part of chapter 2, and I'll read through the um, through verse 17, and then we will st- stop short of wives submit to your husbands. Um, but I, but I won't duck it. We'll uh, we'll hit that next week uh, for sure. So yeah, let Brian get back. Yeah, we're gonna yeah yeah. Don't forget to read the next line, uh, uh, Stephen, before you come in. Um, okay, so um, the uh, so let's start with uh, Colossians chapter two. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to the human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh." If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore... What is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now 
you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of their creator, of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and Father uh, through Him. Okay. So, chapter 2, the last paragraph. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why are you still living as if you're in the world? Now, I, I thought of uh, the four tops, I can't help myself. And I, so I put, looked it up on Google Images, and there's like 15 different album covers from different artists there that say, I can't help myself. It is a theme that runs throughout uh, all of uh, sort of the, our, our poets, if you were. Our, our, and I, I don't know who um, the Kelly family is. I can't help myself. I just thought it was sort of a funny. But Joey Lawrence, do you remember Joey Lawrence? He was on Nell when we were tiny, we were little kids, and he was a little cute little boy. And then it says, if you can't read it right here, it says, star of the hit TV series, Blossom. A big show, right? So remember Big Blossom? No, you don't remember that. But um, So Joey Lawrence, I can't help myself. Anyway, I just thought that was... Uh, yes, you Stephen. You know that one of the Kelly family's biggest hits, and I'm not lying, is I'm not going to pee-pee in my bed tonight. So. <laughs> so that's what we're dealing with. That's what you're dealing with. <laughs> Parishioners who know about the uh, Kelly family um okay well we'll have it's to got like three million youtube hits. i bet it does i bet it, I, I bet it does thank you for that all right well today as we start our lesson on colossians um no the uh so uh, you know it's so interesting like we do we do we we have uh, died the truth about us and listen i wanted to i want to say the, the reality of this was face to face with me yesterday just in my own life in my own heart why do you keep living as if you're in the world? You who have died to the elemental spirits. And what do he mean by elemental spirits? That's sort of a strange thing. He, he um, actually referred to that in verse 8 as well in chapter 2, uh, where he says, um, uh, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. It's basically the foundations, the sort of the fundamentals of uh, what it means to be humans. If you've died to the way the world works is essentially what, what it means. Um, the very sort of base way the world works, which is, which is the law. 
Now, it's interesting what he's talking about. He says, why do you still submit to, to regulations? Uh, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, and so forth. Well, he's, not, he's not saying, why are you still doing bad stuff? That's important to sort of hold on to as, as church members, uh, as people who uh, worship. And I look around the room, and, and we're regular worshipers uh, in church. And yet, uh, it is important to hold on to what he's not saying is, is why are you still doing bad stuff? And that's another question for another time. But he's saying, why are you, he, he's, why are you holding on to these religious regulations? Do not handle, uh, do not taste, do not touch. These are things that uh, we're, we're placing a moral value on and, and creating in ourselves a sense of uh, self-righteousness. I'm okay because I'm not doing this. Therefore, God will accept me. I'm okay because I'm not touching this. It might be what we're eating. It might be what we are saying. It might be what we're watching on TV. But I am okay because of what I am doing. I am uh, more acceptable to God because of uh, this thing. It, it, those regulations that we place on ourselves. I went all of Lent without... Fill in, fill in the blank. Um, nothing wrong with letting disciplines. Nothing wrong with uh, controlling yourself. And yet, uh, when when those things become uh, part of our own identity and uh, part of what we associate religiously as uh, what makes us acceptable to God, it becomes a um, a problem. Now, what he's saying then is you you died to the law. And, and that's the, he talked about baptism. If you remember that, that's the symbol of, of baptism. Though we go under the water. Now, we don't because we're more proper and we sprinkle. But, um, but the symbol of baptism that you go under the water, and that is, that is death, and you come out of the water, and that is life. That is, under the water, we, uh, we, we put those things, that, that, that human tendency, under the water, and it, and it dies. We have died with Christ. Paul says this over and over again throughout his works. We're dead. Our old man, our old woman is, is dead. And yet in Christ, uh, we have been raised. He says, why do you then still live as if you were still that dead person? And this is, this is Martin Luther, right? This is, what he, this is simul usus et peccator. Simultaneously justified and yet uh, a sinner. Uh, and so Paul is encouraging there us to live uh, in the implication uh, of the gospel. So, why are you still in the world? Um, and this, is so, this just stops me short. It, it, these have an appearance. This is talking about these laws, these regulations we place on ourselves. They have an appearance of wisdom, uh, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Isn't that interesting? And that, I think you can take that down two roads. One is that actually in the long run, those, those good boundaries that we place on ourselves and fool ourselves into making us uh, believe that we are therefore more acceptable to God, they actually in the long run don't keep us from the bad things. You know, they don't keep us, uh, eventually we crack, right? Eventually, I mean, this is, it's, you know, it's, it's the story of every fallen pastor that always makes the news. It's... Um, it's, it's, you know, I have this facade of regulation around me, and yet, eventually, the wall uh, comes crashing down. So we can take it uh, there. Or the other ways we can take it is that 
the uh, the wall, uh, the indulgence of the flesh is not just bad, sort of bad things, sexual sin or whatever like that. Uh, it's it's feeding the idea that I am I am doing it on my own, that I am making myself acceptable to God by the works uh, that I have, um, that I uh, because I uh, don't uh, smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do, that I am uh, that I am more acceptable uh, to God, or I'm in church every Sunday, or which is again, it's, it's it is a it is a hard balance in the Christian life because we want to live lives that are righteous and holy, and we want to be in church every week, and we want to live according. It, the, it's, we're at the Sermon on the Mount where it says it's not the outward appearance, it's the inward motivation. Um, so the indulgence of the flesh is just as easily an internal self-righteousness as it is an outward moral uh, failure. Um, okay, we have this sort of what I was thinking of the, the tension of imperatives, uh, where Paul says, "Don't submit to regulations. Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch." He said, "You died to all that. Why are you still submitting to this?" In the very next par- chapter. He has all, I mean, like it's all these imperative statements. That, you know, I'll just put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, desire. Uh, the, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You must put all these things away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. Put on then compassion, kindness, humility, meekness. So, I mean, what's the... What is going on here? Paul says, don't submit to regulation. And he gives this whole list of things that we, as Christians, are supposed to do. How, how do you read that? I mean, you see what... How, what, what, is, what is Paul... If you're just reading this in your daily devotions, in the Bible in a Year blog, which you're all going through, which, um, I mean, which is available to you in case you should want it, um, what, uh, what, um, how do you read this? Do you notice? I mean, what what do you do? You see what I'm ta- do you see what I'm talking about? This tension here that he's saying, "Don't do these things because uh, you died to it." And then here are all these list of things that you should do. How do you how do you handle that as a as a Christian believer? One of them is matters of the heart. Okay. You know, the other one is just law, like what is a, a very outward appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm touching, what I'm handling, and the other one is just matters of, of the heart. You know, anger, mm-hmm. um, wrath, malice. Mm-hmm. Also says, do not lie to one another. Um, so that there, I mean, there is there is some sort of overt or outward outward things, yeah. but but okay, but I, I I can go there. So there's there's some there's uh, the things that he's talking about more in more inward perhaps. Okay. What else? Well, he's asking. I mean, the first one, he's not saying don't do that again. Examine your heart about it. And say, why do you submit to these things? Like, why, why are you, why are you doing those things? Um, so, I mean, so it's not. It, it looks like he's not saying at the beginning, like, all of those rules are. You know, if you're doing those, it's bad. He's saying, I think he's, he's just like imploring, like, let's examine the real motivation behind why we're, you know. Okay. You might uh, it, you might think uh, in terms of you know folks who bow uh, to the altar every time or cross themselves when um, you know when the cross goes by or when there's a you know, or bow when the cross goes by or there's a um, you know there's different sort of 
things in the church. Those things aren't bad, but if you think you're, you know, why are you, why are you doing them? You because that's what real, real Christians do, and I'm a little more holy than the person who didn't do that. Uh, which that's why I don't do it because I don't want to go down uh, that road. But um, but that I don't know. That's what I thought of when you were talking about that. What else? How do you hold this? Just for me, it's yeah, shines light on you know, more mindfulness. Just you know, we live in a society which is ridden with all these laws, mm-hmm. and, and to just be aware of blind obedience. You know, just a more mindful presence of, of yeah, what's my heart? Is, where's my heart? Is, okay. Is going through the motions. Is there some image I'm trying to maintain, or am I really putting my soul into this? So I just, yeah, for me, it's like, wow, what am I going to do here? Okay. What was your slide from last week? It was orthodoxy and then something on the inside. I can't remember what was on uh, Don't be deluded. Yeah. There's, there's several don'ts. So there's, there's sort of the pattern in chapter two is orthodoxy, don't be deluded. Orthodoxy, don't be tricked. Yeah. yeah. That's what I, I couldn't remember. What was yeah. Fruit of the Spirit come. Okay, right. So you're no, you're absolutely right about that. So here's the difference in Colossians. It's the paragraph, the first paragraph in chapter three. If then you have been raised with Christ, he, you know he doesn't. He doesn't say. Uh, and so here's this is the um, the truth of the gospel. And number one, as we're going through, uh, if you have been raised with Christ, and you have, it's not saying to in order to prove that you have been raised with Christ, or in order to be worthy of being raised with Christ, in order to. Uh, Make yourself, uh, put yourself in a position that uh, Christ would want to raise you. No, you have been raised with Christ. That's the difference. You know, it's, it's that Christ has all, and that's a passive statement. You have already been raised with Christ. Uh, theologians call this union with Christ. We have died with Christ. We are raised with Christ. You didn't die. You weren't raised up. But in Christ, the, those, what is true about Christ is true about us. Um, we have uh, died. Our, our, um, our inward selves, our old man, as Paul talks about it, has died, and we have been raised with Christ. Um, again, this is, this is passive, this, and this is all the difference. The truth about us is that we are justified. We are completely raised up. There is nothing that we can add what Christ has done uh, for us, and that's the difference. That's what comes between the regulations that we're not, we don't need to submit to, or at least we need to call into question, and then, um, and then the regulations that He gives about what we are to put away. Um, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. That is, you who have been saved, seek after the one who has saved you. You have been raised with Christ, therefore lift your eyes up to where He is. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things uh, that are on earth. Which is not to say, don't watch football, you know, you know which is, or it's not to say, don't enjoy a good meal. Uh, but it's all about what uh, you hold in your heart as primary, as uh, authoritative, as, 
granting you your identity. Uh, and let me tell you again, like I said, I mean, it's just uh, I came face to face with my own temptation, my own anger just yesterday as I'm preparing this. You know, like this whole holiness of, of life and and then, you know, kids and puppies that like to chew things and just, um, just uh, it was a, um, and I had to be brought to uh, repentance just right in here uh, because it is so hard to seek the things that are above. But the reason we seek the things that are above is because we are already above. I mean, it's because we have been raised with uh, Christ. Uh, you have died. And you're, uh, so you seek the things that are above on earth. You have died. This is, again, this is, again, this is back to the Gospels, the truth about us. You've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I, I have not counted how many times Paul stops what he's saying and goes back to the truth of the Gospel. But that's the thing that he's holding up in the face of the false teaching. You and I are confronted with false teaching every day. It, dwells, it bubbles up inside of our, our hearts, and it comes in from outside. Uh, the only way to combat it is to hold up the preeminence of Christ and the gospel of Christ. Um, that, we, that we catch ourselves what we are trying to add uh, to the gospel. But the truth about us is that you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And this is some really good news, some seriously good news, that when Christ, who is your life, that is, our life is in Him, when He appears then you also will appear with Him in glory. Not might, not dependent upon your regulations and how well you keep them, not if the number of times you sort of backslide uh, is under a certain level, but you who are in Christ, uh, you will appear with Him in glory. I mean that, so Paul continually directs our gaze upward, continually directs our gaze, not to what we are to do, but to the one, what has been done uh, for us. So this truth of the gospel is what he brings us back to uh, over and over and over again. Uh, and then, but it's, so it's then, then he says, talks about what we are to put away uh, because of the gospel. Um, so that's, that's our number two thing. Put to death, therefore. That is, given what we've just said, given the fact that we will appear with Him in glory, given the fact that we have been raised with Him in Christ, we who are sinners are justified simultaneously and fully. 100% justified, we're 100% sinners. But, um, but the truth about us is we have been raised with Christ. Therefore, put to death what is uh, earthly uh, in you. That is, uh, what is um, the elemental spirits, the foundations, whether it is whether you're the prodigal son who goes away and tries to define yourself by making your own rules, or whether you're the elder brother who, like I am, who tries to define yourself by keeping the rules. Um, either way, both sons were were um, were distanced, uh, estranged from the father, and the father goes out to both of them uh, in the parable of the prodigal son, Luke uh, chapter 15. So whether you, whichever one uh, you are, uh, what is earthly in you is the motivation to identify yourself by your own actions, uh, whether it be a good, sort of what the world says are good uh, religious actions or sort of bad worldly actions. To define yourself not by your actions at all, but by what Christ has done in you. You have been raised with Christ. Uh, any thoughts? On, uh, stop me. Um, I want to just move ahead there. So, what, he has a couple of lists put to death what is earthly. He talks about sexual immorality, impurity, passion, uh, 
which is not to say you shouldn't be passionate, but sort of giving into your own lusts, the lusts of your heart, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Again, idolatry is um, putting something on the throne, anything on the throne other than God. It could be, uh, again, look to the world. The world might call it good and the world may call it bad. If it's not God and it's on the throne of our hearts, uh, then it is idolatry. Again, anger, wrath, malice. I, these things are, are important, but they, we don't need to go through each of them because the idea is uh, that we're to look back to Christ. Now, it might be well for you in your spare time to go back and sort of examine your heart against each of these things. Um, and, but again, the answer isn't to buckle down and not be angry. The answer is to look to Christ, who is, uh, who is your life, uh, in whom you have been raised. But so it's interesting to me that he says, and he talks about, he says, don't lie to one another. It's, it's very interesting that he puts here verse 11, because you would expect him to say, you know, don't lie to one another, seeing that you've been put off the old self. And you might expect him to say it because Christians don't act like that. And, and we need to glorify Christ with our actions. And then he might therefore put on as God's church. So, but he doesn't do that. He has, holds up this verse 11. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. It's easy to skip over that or to not notice that he has taken an unexpected turn. But that's not where that's not a, a that's where not where you would take this if in your normal pattern of thought, put away the things of earth, put on the things of heaven. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't stop and say that there is no Greek or Jew. But why? So why does Paul do that? We identify ourselves by our uh, our by so many things uh, in their culture whether you're Jew or Gentile, uh, whether you were marked by the covenant, circumcised, or not. And that was within the church, right? I mean, are you a, are you a Jewish believer, sort of a real believer, or a pagan believer, a uh, second-class believer? Paul says, here, and where, and where is here? It's in the justified life. Here, we're not identified by anything except for in Christ. Um, that, in, in sort of the culture wars, um, which talk about how everyone has the freedom to be who they are and, um, and to choose their own sort of morality or uh, expression or orientation. And, um, and what drives me crazy about that is that the church typically makes very little... Um, very little protest to those uh, to to those qualifications and those categorizations of different people, because what Paul is saying is that in the church we can't make those categorizations. You're not defined by your right to be this or your right to be that. You're defined. We're defined by Christ. Uh, people have um, have said that, you know there we can add all sorts of you know there's no um, black or white. There's no uh, gay or straight, there's no um, because and, and and therefore saying that all are welcome and, and that's true. But we don't define ourselves by those things anymore. And what the church has missed is that what this is saying is that we are all one in Christ. 
the the um, sexual immorality, the uh, impurity, the covetousness, the anger, the wrath, the malice, the slander, all those things are isolating. And, um, you know, I, I think of when I uh, lose my temper, I try to play it off, but I can't really look the person in the eye again. You know, like, you know I try to play it off as if, and I try to distract myself. There's a ba- until there's reconciliation, like there's a barrier there. These things separate us. And what Paul is saying is that the reason we put those things away is because of who Christ is. That we are all one in Christ. We're not just you, not just individually unified to Christ, but we're corporately unified to Christ and to one another. That we are a one body in Christ. It is in our American individualism society. It is very hard for us to, as a paradigm to think in terms of uh, corporate unity. Um, that I, in Christ, am connected to you, Stephen, in a deep and profound way. We might think of it in terms of our marriages, that I'm connected to Amy uh, in, in sort of one body, one flesh, but we don't think of it in terms of our, our unity in Christ. And we cannot put a high enough um, uh, value on our connection as brothers and sisters in Christ because we it's not just that I'm saved and you're saved but we all are uh, saved together and so that's why uh, it's not just about uh, Christians don't act that way and you Tim need to act a particular way so, so don't be angry but we who have been unified in Christ as the body of Christ are one body in him so that we uh, hold those uh, things up and we hold uh, ultimately not just those things but we hold him up and we, and we do so uh, together. Um, so our identity is in Christ uh, alone. Jim, yes, don't Jim. Don't you think some people uh, want themselves to be uh, identified by whatever kind of activism they're in? Oh, without question, they want to be. They want to be identified by that. But what I'm saying is that Paul says that we're no, we are not identified by that. We are identified by Christ. And, and that's my frustration, is that the church really doesn't stand up and say, wait a second, we're identified by Christ. There, a lot of times the church champions the causes. You know, which is to say, which is, they might be fine causes, but to allow people to identify themselves by those causes rather than uh, by uh, Christ is, uh, is an overstep. Those things fade away in importance. You know, we are called to... to love the widows and the orphans and to stand up for justice and mercy um, but, our, but it's because of we've been raised with Christ and so we, we, we don't we shouldn't be defi- we shouldn't allow ourselves that's an indulgence of the flesh so I agree that people want to so what is what is put on by the gospel then? he says put on then and again he qualifies it. Don't just put on them because it's the right thing to do, but as God's chosen ones, because you are, uh, you have been picked up and plucked out of destruction and placed in the kingdom of heaven by God. You could not have done that yourself. He chose you. You may have given yourself a, in a choice for Him. I accept you, Jesus, in my heart, or I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. You could not have done that. I could not have done that if God had not chosen us first. It was his choice of us that activated our choice of him, not the other way around. His favor for you is not activated by your choice for him, but vice versa. So, um, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, that's who you are. You're holy and you are beloved. 
uh, than put on compassion. You think about a a robe, a um, uh, a, a royal. The, you know, this is the, this is the prodigal, right? This is the father coming out and putting the the family robe on the one who had uh, wasted the family inheritance. Uh, put on then as as God's chosen ones, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, uh, forgiving uh, each other. Um, who does that remind you of? You know, it's Jesus. And, and, and so, and, and isn't it interesting that he, it was a sort of subtle language. We are not to be it, we are to put it on. We are to wear it. Paul is, does not have the expectation that we will be able to muster it up ourselves. Uh, we are to procure it. Uh, we are to wear it uh, for our, for, um, because it is given to us in Christ. He, uh, Paul told the Ephesians that you have every spiritual blessing already in Christ. You have access to it. Uh, and so this is, the, um, this, is, this is what we are marked by is the aroma of Christ. Now I would say this, that uh, most of you aren't coming to Christ today. Right? Like you've been in Christ. The command to put on these things still applies today, just as it did the first day. So tomorrow, when you find yourself uh, in, in your workplace and you lose your temper or you have um, any of the things that he has, has listed here, you put, on, you put away those things. You put, it's, it's, it's an ongoing, continual command. You put away those things and you put on those things. Uh, the, you put on um, the compassion of Christ, and the kindness of Christ, and the humility of Christ, the patience of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ. You put that on, you wear it as a royal garment. Um, and it is, is not, this is not a one-time transaction, but a daily, minute-by-minute minute, uh, transaction renewed over and over again. Um, and then he says, above all, uh, um, oh, oh, I wanted to just say, yeah, this, this is what I said. He, this this um, putting on, he said, put away and then put on. There's this sort of, take, you're taking off the old man and putting on uh, the new man. So this, uh, so just, to, just to hold those two up, you're putting one away and you're taking the other one on. It, above all these things, put on Love. Um, so the put on there is, is implied above all love is what is literally what he says. The, it's implied from the from verse 12, but um, but but I mean that's what drives the economy of of God. Every I've taught so many times, or I've noticed so many times that the economy economy of God is upside down. We've talked about that before. That like you know life comes through death rather than avoiding death. Life um, in the economy of God that. You, you gain by giving away. You, um, the first shall be last. Over and over again we see the economy of God. And it's because this, the driving force in the economy of God is not greed, but it's love. The economy uh, of our, our economy is driven by um, uh, greed. Or it could be like, like scarcity. You know, there's a finite number of things. But love, there's an abundance. And that's why So all these things put on love. That, it's the love of God that allowed him and uh, drove him to raise us in him, to save us. And so love uh, is the binding, and again, that unity there. And then he says, um, so I had this, it's just, we'll never be able to wear it, right? It's just, it's just um, it's, these, are, these robes are too big for us. Um, and yet, we're, there is a, 
uh, maturing. That uh, they grow us into them, rather than we're not. You ha- you don't have to grow into it in order to, to fit it. Is that if that if that makes sense? And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Um, again, don't it didn't say make the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, but allow it, let it. Um, yeah, and, but let it rule. I mean, I put I highlighted that word because it's it is um, there, it is a continual uh, opening of ourselves uh, to the peace of Christ. Um, I am out of time to explain further about that. Uh, he goes on to say, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly," um, and we perhaps we'll pick that up next week. Um, but I hope this has been uh, fruitful for you in clarifying. Let me, let me pray for us, Lord Jesus. Uh, bless. Uh, your word and bless your people as we uh, go forth let us put away the things of the world whether good or bad uh, as the world identifies them and put on Christ and let uh, let your compassion let your humility and patience um, be as garlands around our necks and robes on our shoulders uh, that we may live as those who have been justified Uh, in you as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.